Lord Jesus, we agree how wonderful, <laughs> how marvelous this gospel, this love. You first loved us, Lord, when we were dead in our sins, when we were enemies of God through our evil behavior. The scriptures tell us this is God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you that we get to walk into that love today. What a commitment you've shown to us. We were so uncommitted. In fact, we were committed the other way. And yet you've, you've completely won us. You've captured our hearts with your love, Lord. We, we just want to tell you today, we, we love you. Lord, we love you imperfectly. We ask for your help to love you uh, as you call us to. But we, again today, as your church, we say, Lord, help us to love you. Flood us again with this deeper and deeper revelation of what it means to be children of God, loved by God. We, we pray for this outpouring of the freshness of the Holy Spirit over us, over our ordinary lives, over this church. Thank you for that, that picture of water butts and rivers and water butts overflowing, uh, the ground around us being saturated. We, we thank you for that, Lord. We, we say, yes, Lord, out of the reservoir of your deep, rich, abundant love, will you pour out as you've promised. Oh, thank you. Thank you. The scriptures say that you've poured the Father's love into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. So we receive again today. We are hungry and thirsty. And we know the Bible says where we're hungry and thirsty, we will be satisfied. We'll never be hungry again. We'll never thirst again. So we, we just come to you today, Lord, and, and, and we say we love this love and we want more of this love. Will you continue to meet with us as we open the word, as we respond in worship, as we pray for one another, as we keep listening to what you're saying and doing. Lord, keep pouring out your spirit, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Please, please take your seats. Please keep praying for Dave and Al and for our kids and teachers and people that work in schools as they go back into that environment to serve God. Um, it's really important that we do that this week. <coughs> Just going to move the furniture a sec. There we go. Look at that. Ian will work that all out in a minute when he comes back. There we go. Look at that. Great. My name's Steve. If, if I don't know who you are, welcome. Welcome again to those who are with us on YouTube, either live or, or catching up. Um, over the next 30 minutes or so, I'm just going to open up the first of our Vision Sundays through, uh, through September. Um, today is... It's probably some big picture stuff. We'll, we'll see where we, where we go. Um, and uh, if I had one title, it would be What Six Words? And I'll, I'll maybe come back to that in a mo. So what do I do to get my first slide up? Do I just press one of the next buttons and see what happens? Let's have a little look. Um, I've got my little... There we are. Look at that. Oh, that, I don't know that I needed an R. Um, <laughs> the guy in the middle wasn't any cuter then than he is now. Um, listen, 10 years ago this weekend was our, the Alliston's family, Alliston family's first... Sunday here at Crawley Community Church. Um, we, we started in September 2013. Uh, uh, little Jude there was just about to, we were praying for him probably because he was about to start secondary school the next day. Um, and little Days was about to start her two GCSE years. Um, what's that, year 10 and 11? And uh, little Noah, wasn't so little, but he was at Crawley College, I think, at that time. Um, and little Steve was three stone heavier than he is now. <laughs> and Kaz looks as beautiful as she's ever done. Um, I've, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, not really about 10 years ago, but about the next 10 years. Because it can fly by, can't it, when you get to a certain age. And uh, over the next few months from that particular time, 
Um, there was a leadership handover with, with Keith, my amazing predecessor who was retiring. We began to develop um, a, a team pretty quickly um, with uh, the, the young-looking Dave and Ali Swan. And, and look at that, the very cute Justin Allison there. Um, I think I heard them called that today uh, by someone else. And uh, pretty quickly we began sharing our hearts and our call. Dave and Al had just come back to the UK as well at that point. Justin has been an elder here from, for a long time um, before us and just opened our hearts to us. And we began to ask and pray to the Lord for, to develop a, a fresh vision for this local church for the next, uh, the next stage of our lives together. Not long after that, we added in people like Chris and Nick and Richard and Rachel, Joe and Amy, who came in later as, as elders and helped us shape and carry this vision forward. Now, many of those people have moved on, are living uh, in other places, serving God in other places. Since then, obviously, we've added Danny and Giovanna in to the team as well. Uh, what was that vision statement that we shaped and crafted at, at the time? I don't know if you can read it on the screen behind me there. Maybe it's a bit small. There it is. You can say it out loud if you want. Well, that's amazing and said with such passion. Um, <laughs> over, the, over the last year or so, it's really exciting actually. Over the last year or so, we, we've been meeting with the elders team and the leadership team. And uh, maybe it's partly because of the kind of 10-year thing in, in my heart as well. But just asking God, where are we at now? And where are we going now? And is this still what you're, is this still what you're saying? Um, and there was a sense, uh, we had a, a, a day together uh, upstairs in, in February, and there was a sense as we, as we spoke and prayed as a team, I think at one point Dave said something like this, that I, th I think in a sense we, we've already done this, it's kind of a, a tick. Um, Ten years ago we, we weren't nearly so diverse, now we have so many languages and cultures and people from different backgrounds um, we're a church that is now beginning to see real impact in this last calendar year. We've, we've seen saved and added and baptized into the local church, I, th I think 27 people, which is more than I've ever known in any, any year of, of, of my uh, leadership that I've been called to. So we're seeing some impact on a greater level. We're impacting our local community uh, through this building, through our ordinary lives, in the streets and homes and places we live, through our partnerships with other churches and the, the wonderful love your neighbor uh, momentum that we have. And, and we're certainly impacting beyond as well, not just our, our youth leaders, Dave and Al with YWAM, um, but also through our new grand family of churches, part of the call on my life, but others too, Danny building an apostolic team within New Ground based here that is reaching out into the Portuguese-speaking world. God's doing something remarkable into the Persian world through Iranians that he's added into us. have amazing people like Valentina that have a significant ministry to, uh, into Ukraine and, and to Russian speakers. Others too, uh, part of this family that are, that are reaching um, beyond. And, and so there's a sense in which we could say, wow, tick. Thank you, Lord. What, what's next? Um, but as we talked and prayed, and we, we're thankful to God for that, and we celebrate uh, that, that advance, um, and yet there's a clear sense that, no, of course we haven't. We haven't fulfilled this in any way whatsoever. It's, it's still a, a valid um, sense of mission for the church. And so as we talked and prayed back in February, we, uh, the Holy Spirit revealed to us a, a brand new uh, mission statement for this church, um, and I just want to show it 
to you now. We've been, we've been praying and talking and doing some shaping behind the scenes, but we wanted to share it with you over these next few weeks in September. Here it is. See if you can spot the difference. <coughs> and it's, it actually, it is different because we're saying it now in a number of languages, and I hope Google Translate <laughs> says <laughs> what I think it says. Praise God, I didn't have that to help me 10 years ago, that's for sure. Uh, I used to buy dictionaries in all kinds of languages that I never get off my shelf now. It's the same vision, you may have noticed. Um, but I think what we began to realize as we talked and prayed was, of course it's the same vision. The Church of Jesus Christ, Crawley Community Church, long before my time, with all my predecessors and the amazing teams and elders and church that, that were kind of 30 years before I pitched up here, they all carried them. They may have expressed it with different words, but it's the same New Testament vision for the church. But of course for us now, we're at a very different point on the kind of curve or the trajectory, if you like. Again, I think, uh, Dave, I'm quoting you a lot today, but I think Dave used the, used the kind of analogy, a bit like a kind of map pointer. If you can imagine Google Maps, um, where you, you get a, a kind of, we were at point A, uh, but there was a sense in which, well, we're not really at point B, we're at a new point A. I think we wrote, kind of wrote it, uh, sketched it. You may not be able to read, don't worry about the detail, but you can see it's kind of how we're thinking in the, that one far on the left there, you're right, is the past. Uh, that was the point we were at, same vision. That now, that big A, we're at point A. Uh, but we're still called to be a New Testament church that is growing in its diversity, that is a true church of Jesus Christ, rooted in the word of God, not shifting from that, whatever cultures shift and come and go, uh, still equipping the saints, uh, still impacting our local community and still impacting beyond. And so our point A has shifted. And of course, in the years to come and in the future, the, the point on our, on our journey with this mission from the Holy Spirit will continue to move. That's the point that we're at now. And so that's kind of how we drew it on the whiteboard. And of, of course, the New Testament vision for the church is always current. It never needs refreshing. But what we're doing, I guess, is, is looking again at how we develop and grow fruitful within this biblical call, but within our context and our culture, which does shift and change. We're asking lots of questions at the moment. Um, wh where are we now? Where are we going? Yeah, we, we want an awareness of where we've come from, but where are we going to? I've, someone asked me um, over the summer, am I thinking about what's happening next? And often I'm thinking about what's happening next after what's next. But actually, if that sentence makes sense, actually I've been thinking a lot about what does the church of 2033 look like? What do we look like? What kind of church are we going to grow into? What kind of church are people like me going to hand on to the next generation as they emerge and come through? We've prayed for a whole load of uh, church leaders, uh, spirit-filled businessmen and women, mums and dads, church planters this morning before we've sent them out to their discipleship groups as kids and teenagers. What are we going to hand on as we walk with this mission? Are you with me so far? I told you it would be big picture today. We're going to open the Bible in a moment. Um, we could look back to the beginning, and it's really important to look back so we learn and grow well together. And Dave and Al were here, right, I think as teenagers, weren't you, right in the beginning when this church was planted out in the charismatic renewal back in the late 70s, early 80s, around that time. Um, we, we could look back at any point in the timeline of our history, 
but we're here now. We can't be anywhere else. This is the moment where we live for God, where we take hold of our inheritance and our future in him. In my own heart, I'm saying, Lord, I don't want us to be the same in 10 years' time. I don't want us to be like the people of Israel that carried this incredible promise but spent 40 years wandering around with it, believing it maybe in part, or some of the younger ones certainly, in the wilderness, but never fully coming through into their inheritance. I think Mark was praying and prophesying in our, in our prayer time before the meeting this morning, saying, again, God, this year, it, it's a kind of prophetic uh, pull uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, I think it's in Habakkuk. In our day, in our time, make your promises known, Lord. And that's kind of what I'm carrying afresh in my heart as I think ahead to the church of 10 years on from now. Uh, and because of that, there's a prophetic application um, as we imagine today and imagine in the next few weeks what does the church of Jesus Christ look like in Crawley this kind of church and actually the prophetic is wonderful it pulls us into a, a picture that God's painting by the way I love the picture that Jeff's painting if you came in the back car park today big round of applause for Jeff Ells wow Love that. Early front runner for next year's Oscar, I think, there already. Don't let me, can you write that down, Kaz? Because uh, I forget my own children's names. Um, so, with, but with, with prophetic pull and promise comes, the, comes stewardship, a bit wise stewardship. You can't have the one without the other. It's no good hearing God and not stewarding and being obedient faithfully to what he's saying to us. There is action that comes from the, it's no good as having big picture prophetic months of September and praying God in our day and our time, make your promises known. And then not asking him, Lord, how do we steward this practically? What does it look like? And so we're doing a lot of that kind of imagining at the moment, asking some kind of point A kinds of questions and inviting us, we're a family together, inviting you to, to pray and to think uh, and to steward with us. I think we'll do some of that in our week of prayer in a week or two's time, but I'm sure into the months and weeks and even years ahead as God directs us. These are the kinds of questions I'm asking. Um, maybe they're very big picture for some of you, but you know, how do we equip and grow strong, deeply rooted, um, biblically coherent disciples into the 2030s? What kinds of leaders are we raising up and releasing for the next generation, even from our kids and our teenagers right now? What does kingdom impact look like? I think it still looks like, I love John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement. He always used to say, the way on was the way in. We're a spirit-filled people. Kingdom impact looks like it always did do. Get filled with the Holy Spirit and go and do the kinds of things that Jesus did. But I'm asking that question, what does it look like in our town, in our day, in a, in a more secular age where we have to walk with real wisdom outside of the, of the church? What, how, how are we going to grow in healing and, and freedom and deliverance? How a church is going to be planted out of an ordinary church like us or new sites started out of here? What does it look like locally with your life and my life? What does it look like out of this building and the kingdom business that we run? And how do we impact and serve into other places that God has called us apostolically to, to, to serve into, uh, to plant into, as well as those that we're just in friendship with, that we're praying for and cheering on and maybe sending teams and, uh, uh, and to that kind of stuff. So there's loads to think and pray about. 
And in a sense, you don't have to be concerned with all of that right now because it is big picture. And many of you are saying, I just want to know what's next. And the guy's talking not only about what's next after what's next, but 2033. I'm just thinking about getting the kids out the door and time for school tomorrow. And you're going on about 2033. But we wanted to have a sense of being a church on the mission of Jesus Christ. These are the kinds of things that we're wrestling with and grappling with. And maybe God will speak to some of you and give you faith for some of these things uh, as well as we grow. Um, I said we're calling this morning and the next few weeks, what six words? Um, you may be familiar with the, the, it's a brilliant app, the what three words app. So I, I've just kind of nicked it, but they won't mind the publicity in our little community, I'm sure. Um, if you've ever used Google Maps and you said, yeah, I'll meet you at this postcode, and then you drive up and down missing the house or missing the street because it's not quite precise enough. What three words is it? You're going to download it after church today. Please don't get your phones out now. Um, but uh, they, they've mapped, incredible, they've mapped every three square meters of planet Earth. And they've given it a unique, random, three-word name. So you can, if you've got the app, you can share the three words uh, and you can meet someone. You're not going to miss them. They'll be within three square meters of you. If you look at the, uh, I think where I'm standing right now, middle of the stage, I mapped it on what three words? Assume Cliff Script. Okay? If you're wondering where Steve is today and you were the other side of Crawley, or if Danny's, Danny's on holiday in Malaga right now, thinking, where's Steve right now? He could put in the what three, I could share the, those three words with him and he would see where I am located to this, this very stage block that I'm standing on now. It's, it's in, incredible. Um, but of course, we're talking about, about six words. We have these, ah, there we are, what six words? We have these six words, um, diverse, church, equipped, impact community and beyond they give us a in the same way that that app works very practically with regard to direction these words that are rooted in the scriptures and the call of the church of Jesus Christ give us a very clear and specific location of where we are standing now and the winds of culture would would seek to blow us off course into all kinds of directions and down all kinds of, of wrong journeys. But not only do these six words root us now, tell us where we are today, where you can find us, what kind of church we are, but they give us a destination. This is the kind of people we are going to be as we continue to grow as a local church. I'm going to hear an amen to that one, please. These six words, therefore, will define our praying, our direction, our strategies, the kinds of ministries that we uh, release and invest into, um, the budgets that we have financially, the way we develop this building, the way we pray, prayerfully develop the staff team, whether we're thinking about new sites or church plants, hearing Crawley or Hawley or beyond or even into the nations, these six words are what define us. I think maybe I'll share one or two bits another time uh, that go deeper into that, but I'll move on for today. Um, some really interesting um, thoughts with those six words about what the church of 2033 looks like. But I think we're doing enough imagining today. We're painting this picture today of the church in 2033. We're, we're still at point A, um, but today we're putting a destination in the sat-nav, as it were, or in the what six words app uh, that, that pulls us forward. I've said many times, Edward Buria, one of the apostles in Kenya, um, who, uh, as well as planting hundreds of churches, um, also plants trees to raise finance for the kingdom work there. And whenever people ask Edward, Edward and, and his, his wife, Frida, who, who runs the business, actually they ask Frida, Frida, when's the best time to plant a tree? And she says, 10 years ago. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I've been praying through some things even this week, saying, oh God, there, there are some things I'm really grateful for, but there are some things I, I wish I'd, I wish I'd 
heard you on putting in the ground 10 years ago. The reality is I can't do anything about not having planted trees 10 years ago, but I can put some seeds in the ground today. You and I can. You can do that in your ordinary life at home. You can make some resolutions before God today, whether it's in your marriage, with your family, in your prayer life, uh, in your generous spirit into the kingdom of God. However it is that you may be serving God with the gifts he's given you. You can, you can say, God, there's a whole load of life that's gone before me, but from today I can plant some kingdom seeds that mean I'm going in this direction uh, with these six kingdom words, knowing that at some point, because kingdom seeds always grow, they never stay dead under the ground, they will produce fruit well into the 2030s in our lives. So for a few minutes today, and perhaps into some of the Sundays ahead, I, I want to look forwards by looking back at the church in Antioch. We find some, a couple of um, pictures uh, snapshots of the Antioch church in Acts 11 uh, and at the end of Acts 12, Acts 13. And just want to use these verses to help us navigate uh, the next few Sundays. And, and in them, it, it's so, we so clearly find these six, these six words um, uh, in the dynamic life of that New Testament church. So let me skip past what I might have done today. I'm going to keep that secret. Whoa, look at that. There we go. Let's get to... Uh, Acts 11, there we are. I'm just going to read this out. I won't turn around. I'm going to read it from my Bible. Um, Because I love to have the Bible in my hand. Um, Where are we now? Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, he'd just been martyred for his faith, just been stoned, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What a statement that is. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. Did you know churches have ears? I think in Revelation it says, Let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I can't stop myself, Kaz, I'm so sorry. Uh, of course, uh, as we have, as a church, local church, have more than two ears. We have multiple ears because we have a left ear, a right ear, and we are new frontiers. Okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Some things haven't changed over 10 years. Um, <laughs> where were we? News reached the ears <laughs> of the church in Jerusalem. You can, if your English isn't your first language, just... Please ignore that and move on. Um, They sent Barnabas to Antioch, and when he arrived and saw evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Wow. Uh, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. This is a revival going down in Antioch. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did this by sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Uh, of course, by me reading my Bible means I haven't turned it over. Oh, we're just looking in the nick of time there. That's good. Let's just flip over to the end of chapter 12. 
Um, there's a little interlude with Peter's miraculous escape from prison, well worth reading. But now we jump back to uh, the end of chapter 12, verse 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission in Jerusalem, they returned, taking with them John, also called Mark. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Nigeria, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So, after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Wow, it's an amazing scripture. Um, Antioch is about 300 miles, so what are we? Uh, 500 kilometers north of Jerusalem. Um, they reckon by walking, which most people would have done, it would have taken over two weeks to get from, for, for um, Barnabas to get from the Jerusalem church to Antioch to be with these new believers. I, I don't know if you noticed uh, these six words appearing uh, in the text that we've just read. They may not appear as the words we're using, but the, the kind of values that they embrace are there in this church and in the mission of Jesus through the church. We see an extraordinary community here in Antioch. Their prayer life, their worship, their teaching, their commitment to gathering, uh, the way they do their leadership, their care for the poor, their generosity with money and with people. A, a huge kingdom impact. That impact word is really there, both um, in Antioch locally. Great numbers were brought to the Lord, but also beyond. This was ascending church. There are gifts of the Spirit in operation. It's evident new believers are being saved and added, filled with the Spirit. There's healing, signs and wonders. It's evident that leaders are being developed, that this is a place of, uh, where it's safe for young leaders with some raw gifting that's not developed to come alongside more experienced leaders and be mentored uh, until they emerge into the fullness of their gifting and some to stay and some to be sent. There's wonderful Bible teaching here. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas at this point, spend a year teaching Bible doctrines, laying foundations. And, and of course, as we come to the end, we find they're sending some of their leaders to pioneer and plant new churches beyond. When I read about the Antioch church, it sounds very familiar to us, doesn't it? It sounds very familiar to the kind of church that God has called us to be, and it, it should sound increasingly familiar to us over the next 10 years. Just want to look very briefly, just for a few moments, at this word diverse today, and we'll pick up some of the other uh, descriptions of who we're to be as church in the, in the coming weeks. It's really just a prophetic kind of headline on biblical diversity. What, what I'm not doing today is using the word diverse. It's a difficult word to use now. It wasn't 10 years ago in the way that our, a very narrow part of our Western culture uses this word um, to speak of a, a gender fluidity and diversity. The, the Bible worldview that, that we believe and will continue to, to teach here with love and kindness but with clarity is that from the beginning God made man and woman in his image um, both reflecting uh, the same value and worth in God, but with, uh, with differences, uh, biological differences and differences in their call and their responsibility. Uh, and, and then God gave the, the sex to be contained within a lifelong commitment of marriage between Adam and Eve and all those who 
follow. It's not just something that lurks around in the dusty pages of the Old Testament. Jesus affirmed this in the way that he spoke about marriage and men uh, and, and women. Um, to, today is not an attempt to go deeply into those issues, and we need to teach on those issues and do that. But today is more a prophetic insight into the kind of church and the kind of diversity that the New Testament is really focusing on and talking about. Nor is today uh, really an opportunity with the time we have to speak, and it's important to do this too, into issues of race um, and, and some of the challenges and some of the sins of the church of Jesus Christ in the past and some of the things we, the many things we need to learn today as we build a diverse church. Uh, these, these areas all need uh, good Bible teaching into them, but today is just an overview vision series. But I felt I couldn't use this word without addressing those two areas of it with you. And so I hope that's helpful rather than confusing. In, in terms of a broader, is that okay? Yeah. Okay, in terms of a broader biblical diversity, God's people have always been called to be diverse. Um, right from Adam and Eve in the beginning, where they were told to multiply and fill the earth with other men and women made in the image of God. Abraham had the same promise as well. You'll have descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the sand under your feet. For the people of God, their cry has always been for all the nations of planet earth. I was reading Psalm 67 yesterday. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth. Your salvation known among all nations. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. I remember when, I was, uh, when we were planting our first church, I got hold of a, a, a John Piper book. It's an old book now. It was new at the time called Let the Nations Be Glad about the supremacy of God in worship and missions. It absolutely turned my life upside down with the pull of God into the local and the global and the purpose of God for all the peoples of planet Earth because it's here in the Scriptures. We see this fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost. The same Jesus who came and died for my sins and your sins, who was raised to life by the power of God, who ascended into heaven. Just as he promised, he then sent the Holy Spirit on his church. And in Acts chapter 2, what we now call the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on a diverse bunch of people in Jerusalem. It gives you a list in Acts 2. They were from all kinds of different national backgrounds and different languages. They didn't understand one another, but suddenly... As the Holy Spirit falls on them, they're speaking in new tongues, new languages of the Spirit. They have a new unity as 3,000 are getting born again that day from all kinds of backgrounds, immediately born again and added into the church of Jesus Christ. And so the nations begin to become glad in Jesus. But I guess we're asking for us, well, this great big picture, but what does it look like in a, in a local church like ours? I think there are a number of ways that we're going to learn into and lean into in the years ahead and we've got lots of lessons to learn what's that one all about oh there's that statement again have I missed a few slides off maybe I have ding 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 oh look they're down the side there there we are uh, I'm confusing myself um, in Antioch we see all these and more kinds of diversity being worked out in the disciples and the leadership team there the languages the color of their skin their age, their experience, uh, even, the, even the leadership team. I, I love the, the leadership team uh, there. Where are we? We find at the end of, um, at the start of chapter 13, don't we? Barnabas, he's been sent from Jerusalem, but he's, he's actually from, um, uh, from, from Cyprus, from the island of Cyprus. 
Simeon, uh, the description and the name that he's given means he's a black man, probably from North Africa. Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene is modern-day Li Libya. Again, he's North African. Manian, he's been brought up with Herod, the, the king. Um, either he's from that kind of class and level and education and power and influence, or he was a slave in Herod's house. One or the other, this is a, another um, uh, guy who's different on the team. And then Saul. Uh, Saul was from Tarsus, it's uh, modern-day Turkey. And so we've got this incredible kind of um, Afro-Asian team that is growing a strong church in Antioch and is going to be instrumental in reaching out into what we would now call Europe, the Greek-Roman world. And I would imagine that their team was reflected in the makeup of those that were joining the local church and was reflecting those that were gathering in Antioch as a city from all those kinds of backgrounds. If you read wider in Acts of the Apostles and in the New Testament letters, you'll find other areas of diversity. The church features many ladies who pray really play really prominent roles. Uh, and this is a very patriarchal society at the time in the Greek-Roman world. There are women named like Phoebe and Priscilla and Julia and Lydia. I could name others too. They're mentioned in the scriptures as deacons, teachers, leaders, church planters, um, business women. Paul often references ladies in his letters. If you read those names at the end of his letters, they're really important to read. There's some honouring goes on there as well. He's saying these women are significant, significantly contributing to the mission of the church. And of course, if you read back into the Gospels, you'll find that actually Jesus' best disciples and the most steadfast and faithful and the most tuned in to what Jesus was actually saying were the group of women that were with him. Darren's laughing because you got there before me. Uh, that's exactly how it was. There's this socio-economic diversity too in the church of Jesus rich and poor slave and free um, I've just said maybe Manian on the leadership team uh, the eldership team was either a slave or he was powerful and influential either way there's an incredible diversity the the wealthy the influential worshiping alongside the weak and the despised again we just see something of that here in the makeup that God has given us as an ordinary local church I don't think we've got anyone who served on King Herod's staff team but apart from that it's not so bad Listen, churches actually in the New Testament are so diverse, it's hard to find where is their bonding? What is it that unites them? Well, only this, that they've all repented of their sins. They've all come through the door. That is Jesus Christ. They've all been born again into Christ. They've all got baptized in the same water of baptism. They've all received the same Holy Spirit, and they're all living for the same kingdom purpose. We notice in these verses there, the church is first called Christians in Antioch. Um, they're really diverse. You think they could have all kinds of names for this group and that group. But there's something as you observe them in Antioch that means they look and sound the same. Not because they look and sound the same. They're clearly very diverse. But there's no doubt who they are. So diversity is not about confusion. No, they've got the same doctrines, the same truths. The way of Jesus is so strongly established and embedded in God's people that those outside of God's people say these are Christ's people. These are Christians, very diverse, but they all look and sound like him. And yet the only thing uniting them is their shared life in Christ. As I, again, as I look around this room, I think, wow, there are people here who I count my dear friends, but outside of the church of Jesus, I would never have met you. I would never have got to know you. We would never have got to share life together and adventures together and the good, the bad, and the ugly together in God. It's a wonderful thing. As Paul put it later, there's only one body, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, and we've come in through the same route. 
So, yeah, amen. So, uh, as I draw to a close, we're going to worship and respond in a moment. This is not some surface thing. This is not some kind of political multiculturalism that's skin deep. Wouldn't it be nice to have all kinds of colors and languages in the church? We're actually talking about heart change, uh, real heart change. It's It's a transforming work of the Spirit that's involved. There's loads more we could talk about this and we've got lots of learning I think and teaching from the scriptures to do Um, but it's a deep deep work I think already with us and with our new ground family of churches we're already uh, 10 years ago we were a UK centric family of churches now we're not Uh, we're in three continents now uh, in South America in, um, through, through all that, that Danny's opening up with the, with the New Ground team. We're in Africa now, and of, of course we're planting churches all over, over Europe. Um, I still, I've told you this before, but it's just worth mentioning again today. Uh, 27 years ago, we had our first church plant in the north of Manchester. We prayed for, for two years, so it's probably 25 years ago. We prayed for two years, God, will you change the colour of our church? We were 40 or 50 or so people who were all white British we prayed for two years. One Sunday morning, we were in worship like we've been this morning. And, and this guy, Daniel from Sierra Leone, put his head through the, around the back doors with his young preschool son, um, Osman and, and Daniel. Said, can I worship with you? We said, please come in. Uh, first, first black guy we'd had in the church. And they worshiped with us. That week, I went to see him. Uh, I think by the end of the week, we, we'd started a, a small group in his home. Within six months... That all-white British church that had been the same for two years was 50% black Asian and 50% white. This is in the DNA of the Church of Jesus Christ when we open ourselves up to him. We have learned an awful lot along the way since those days. And believe it or not, I know I still have so much learning to do. Even now, when you do our joining the church courses we're already beginning to I'm sure we're clumsy with it but we're we're learning to use language where we're saying we're not asking you to join a white English church to take on all our ways Um, we're asking you to join Jesus's church in Crawley and that together we make some kind of new community that we shape and influence one another with all that we bring into God's church that that's the kind of point a we're at now in our learning and our growing together we've we've come a long way but it feels like it's only a start in terms of the next 10 years and what the, what the church of 2033 in Crawley and beyond like, might look like. I think it's really significant that we now have a, a, a non-British, non-European elder on the, on the team and on the staff team. English is not Danny's first language. Uh, he does amazingly, but his, his heart language is Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese. I, I believe that's just a, 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 another point A on the way of many more of, of those kinds of people emerging amongst us. It's no surprise. It should be no surprise to us as we observe trends, that as you release people like Danny uh, to have influence and to use his grace gifts in the church, that others who also don't speak English as a first language say, wow, I could belong here. I could play my part here. Maybe there's room for my gifts and calling here as well. Just briefly, yeah, another amen. This is a young and old church as well. I love that Barnabas went to find, went to Tarsus to find young Saul and mentor him. Saul was too hot to handle for the Jerusalem church. They'd, they'd sent him off earlier in Acts, and they say the church then enjoyed a time of peace. Uh, I think some of that early years of church planting, I was probably, I was probably that Saul. Uh, they were very pleased when, we, when God called us back down south, and they got a rest around Manchester. Um, and, uh, but, but, but 
Barnabas, with his gift of encouragement, went and found Saul. He had faith for this young man and released him. When they come back from Jerusalem, taking the, the financial gift, they, they bring another young man. It's a pattern now. It's a culture in the church. They bring John Mark with them. We, we, for, we started, some of you have been here before me, but we started 10 years ago. Around this time, I was having talks and praying with a young Joe and Amy Stevens. Uh, they were probably barely 20, 21 years old at the time, saying, come and help us. Let's come and see what you, you'll you get to walk alongside us. We'll see what God's put in you in terms of grace for leadership, gift and call. There'll be others now in this next stage as we move through. And of course, this is a church of many languages. I love our friend Biro in Erasmopolis. Biro, I was uh, Zooming with... Um, FaceTiming with Biro um, earlier in August, and he was telling me that uh, now, oh, he said, Steve, the whole church are learning to speak English. They're all having English lessons. It's amazing. This is a church that is saying, we, we don't just want to impact our local. And believe me, if you know Biro and what he's doing, they are significantly impacting their town of Erasmopolis. But they say, we're part of this family, and we want to play our part in reaching out beyond the limitations of our culture and language. And so this kind of passage and this kind of 2033, what six words Paul challenges us. I was thrilled, Ian, today to hear your daughters learning Spanish for GCSEs. That's brilliant. We need more Spanish speakers that are going to serve Jesus around the world. It does mean our, we, we encourage our kids to learn languages. The Brits have not been good at that. Learn them at school. It means it's going to affect our prayer focus and uh, praying for other people, other places, getting involved in other cultures, sending, receiving teams as we've been doing, but also ready to send and release fully, to plant, to budget for finance. And I believe as we do that, those attitudes and cultures and languages, they will certainly help us locally too. Because look around you, those languages and needs are all in Crawley as well. It means a lot of mixing and learning. It certainly means a lot of hospitality and a lot of food. I'm already excited about the next Iranian meal um, later on this month. There are more things I could say, but I, I hope you're catching my heart today that from the New Testament, we create this new kingdom culture for this new community. Ian, come and help us, and I'll, I'll wrap up and, and, and pray. Um, the New Testament church is really diverse, but it's so deeply integrated because of our shared love for Jesus. We, we've just got to keep learning in this church. Just wave your hand if you want to learn with me. I know it's been really big pictures today and maybe I've accelerated beyond where some of you are right now, but I hope you've caught the heart of the gospel and the prophetic burden that we're, we're carrying. Why don't you stand with me? I, I think we've got to get more used to Sundays like last Sunday where we had preaching with translation. It's not my preference. We're, here we are in England. But we're just saying, Lord, you're doing something new. And so these are the kinds of things we're learning, not only just to live with, but to celebrate together. I think, like me, you need to get used, maybe even in your small group or around your table or here in Crawley, not just when we send missions teams to other nations, but sometimes being the only one around the table that feels outside of your culture with the food you're eating or the way that people are relating to one another or the language that you're hearing spoken. I love being with our Persian small group where I'm the only one that doesn't speak the language. And yet it's in our cafe here in Crawley and I'm trying to stop them every few moments to say, tell me what you're saying, tell me what you're saying. We've got to get more used to that church if we're going to be this kind of Antioch church together. Praise God. Now let's lift our hands to the Lord, shall we? Just as we worship. Thank you for being gracious with me.
as I've inevitably got carried away and gone over this morning. Actually, I, I said earlier, Acts 2 was a fulfillment of this. It, Acts 2 is not the fulfillment. One day soon, Jesus is returning. And, and the scriptures tell us that's when it culminates. as a multitude, not just a great crowd in a, in, a, in a community center hall like this, but a multitude that nobody can count. An uncountable multitude from every ethnic group, every language, every bright, colorful culture around planet Earth, worshiping Jesus as heaven comes down to the newly restored Earth. One day, that's what we're leaning into now as we, as we learn and make mistakes and imperfectly grow an ordinary local church in Crawley that is seeking to be diverse because of what the Holy Spirit's doing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for this gospel. Yeah, maybe there's, uh, it's been so big picture today. Maybe there's someone here who just needs to get on board with the gospel. You need to start following Jesus. This, this, this is kingdom life, church. I've not given a TED talk today. All of this starts by coming to Jesus, repenting of your sins, getting filled with the Spirit, finding out God's got a purpose for your life that is more than what you're currently involved in. He's writing a story for your life that involves the amazing, ever-growing story of his precious church. Just want to encourage some of you to get on board with that today for the, the first time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you know you need to respond to the gospel, please come see me in a minute. I'd love to pray with you. Yeah, Lord, we come to you. Lord, this is not a one-fix sermon. I, I'm, I'm aware, even as I preach it, there are loads of things that are coming to my mind and my attention. Lord, if there are things specifically you've spoken to people about today, Lord, that require repentance, will you help us? Lord, where there's been any bitterness, where there are those of us that are older that feel we've been overlooked, where there are those of us who've, who have been told you're too young and not ready, Lord, where we need to forgive leaders who've made mistakes and not seen what you've put in people. Lord, where we need to repent of sins around racism and judgment over others that are not like us. God, will you teach us how to do that and to truly be a loving community? Lord, will you help us to do that today and to learn how to do that as we move forward? Lord, as we make mistakes, will you help us to be a loving, honoring community together? Oh, thank you. Lord, we, we repent today of any attitudes towards the rich or the educated or any wrong attitudes that are sinful towards the poor and those in need. Lord, we, we just want to humble ourselves before you, knowing that in due time you'll lift us up. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome you today, Holy Spirit, as we've been doing. You're the living water from heaven. You're the one that unites us and brings us into this one body in Jesus. Just as we worship now, why don't you, if, if you have the gift of languages, why don't you just begin to speak out in tongues, in languages. Just say thank you to the Lord. This, this gift of the Holy Spirit is so precious for a diverse church. <laughs> it united them on the day of Pentecost. United Jews and Gentiles at Cornelius' house when Peter said, wow, they've got the same gift we had. <laughs> What's to stop them being baptized? He unites us today. Iranian, Brazilian, Romanian, British, African origin.